Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 615 with Seven Chan. People ask me, I guess, what makes me a successful restaurateur, and I say it's about 5% knowing how to make good food and putting good food out, and 95% being charming and adorable. So I think that translates everywhere. Are you ready for it? Factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Everybody loves payday, am I right? But loving your payroll provider, that's a different story. It's a little weird. Still, small businesses across the country love running payroll with Gusto. Gusto automatically files and pays your taxes. It's super easy to use, and you can add benefits and HR support to help take care of your team and keep your business safe. It's loyal, it's modern, and who knows, you might even fall in love. To learn more, head over to gusto.com slash unstoppable and when you run your first payroll you'll get your first three months free again that's gusto.com slash unstoppable I'm sure you've heard of Revel, but have you heard of the Revel Advantage? It is the payment processing solution that seamlessly integrates into your Revel point of sale and platform to create a complete system tailored to your business needs. Revel manages both your POS and your payments with integrated software, hardware, and credit card processing to save you time and money so you can focus on your business. Learn more at revelsystems.com slash un stoppable. Here is a statistic for you. 89% of all guests will research a restaurant online before dining out. So you've got to start thinking about how you can extend your in-house hospitality and attention to detail to the online world. Bento Box is a great place to start. They will develop a restaurant website that not only leaves lasting impressions with your guests, but also provides hospitality-focused tools that are proven to drive revenue online and guests into your restaurant. Sign up today at getbento.com slash unstoppable and save up to $1,500 on initial setup for your new restaurant website. Get on it. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Seven Chan. My man, Seven, are you feeling unstoppable today? I am always unstoppable. (laughs) Yes. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Oh, my pleasure, man. I can't wait to dive into your story. So hailing from New York, Seven Chan is a lifetime entrepreneur with over 17 years of experience building and running successful companies. His specialties include business strategy, development, press, and marketing. And in 2016, he met business partner, Ken Yu, and one month later, they were in business together under the Pokeberry brand. 2.5 years later, uh, they've scaled the business to two locations with additional 12 locations expected to open by the end of 2019. Holy crap, man. I can't even wrap my mind around that. I'm super excited for you. I cannot wait to find out how you pulled it off, but let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quarter mantra. What do you got for us? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think it actually ties into how I am doing everything, but essentially my goal is to take a step forward on the business every single day and it's kind of simple but when you look at it from other people and how much they're working on the business and how much they're doing on a daily basis most people are kind of stuck working in their situation where i force myself every single day i take a step forward on the business whether that's at two in the morning six six a.m 
whatever happens, I make sure that that happens. Otherwise, I get stuck. Okay, we can't stop there, man. We got to go deeper. How do you make sure that happens? What systems, what habits have you built into your life to make sure you're taking a step forward every day? I literally just tell myself that's what I have to do, and I cannot sleep, I cannot eat, I cannot do anything else unless I make sure that I knock that out. Every Are you like day. keeping track of what you want to like take a step on Absolutely. specifically? Like, is there a list? Like, how do you how do you manage that all? Absolutely. So, I mean, the beginning or most of my day is kind of running around trying to catch up on a million different things. So it's kind of at the end of the night when everyone else probably goes to bed or stops or quits for the day. That's when I kind of reevaluate and I figure out what is it that I've done and uh, have I taken that step forward. Mm, I love it, man. Great way to get this thing started. So you have a really unique story. Uh, Thank you. It's it's amazing what you're going to be accomplishing in the next year. Uh, and even like how you met your business partner, like one month after meeting, you guys went into business together. So a lot of what you've done, we even discussed during the pre-interview chat that you kind of don't take the conventional path in most things in life. So where did this whole entrepreneurial uh, spirit start for you? Take, take us to where um, it makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I guess um, depending on how far we want to go back, um, I had my first job when I was six years old and I worked at the library and uh, it was kind of like in my head a serious job. I got paid $2 an hour to stamp cards Damn. and uh, <laughs> cut like cut little pieces of paper for people. And then my, years later, I realized that was just them being nice to me because I was like a little kid. But um, I started working when I was really young and uh, I didn't know I could be an entrepreneur until I was maybe 15 or 16. I met my first mentor then. And at the time, she was uh, 21 years old, had... Uh, 5,000 employees up and down Damn. the East Coast um, was a... 21 kind of years like, old? 21 years 5, old. 5,000 employees? Yeah, and she was a tiny Asian lady that felt like she could be my mom or like, well, I mean, younger, but like just a regular person. Yeah. And um, what I learned from her is it it's not... Business isn't like people in suits, like shaking hands in boardrooms, but it can be anywhere. It could be anyone. Anyone could be a business person or entrepreneur. And uh, from there, I started my first company, and I've, I've never looked back, and I've never I need to tap the brakes. I'm yeah. slamming on two brakes. I feel like we can learn more from this woman. Because it sounds like she was a huge influence on you. Um, she was. So yeah, absolutely. You said she taught you that business isn't just suits and handshakes and yeah. dudes in a boardroom. It's, it's a lot of other things. What, what, like really paint that picture of what she, how she painted the lifestyle of an entrepreneur and what it takes to be successful. I guess I just saw her lead by example, and that was a big thing. What did that look like? It, was, it looked a lot like what I saw in my life every single day where, um, you know, I grew up in New York. I grew up in Flushing and there's a lot of Asian people there. Uh, I think it's the highest concentration of Asian people in America. But um, I saw someone that on the street, if she had walked by, she would look like just any average person. When I saw she was that same person that could be anybody else, but she was doing amazing things. I saw I could probably do that myself. And that's kind of been the benchmark of many things I do. And I'm like, oh, someone else can do that? I can probably do it better. Or so I can probably do it too. How did you even approach her? 15 years old, she's 21. Like you saw this random person walking down so the street. How did you know to approach her? That was the... Uh, no, so we, I didn't actually meet her on the street. But um, <laughs> we that was the first business I was involved in. And it okay. was a early internet startup. And that was back when the internet was brand new and people were like, the internet is a fad. Uh, like we used to do this thing at conferences where people, we, uh, where she would ask people to raise their hand if they've ever bought anything online. And like one out of 100 or wow. 500 people would do it. And now obviously, you know. What they, year is this? Timestamp it. Um, I'm trying to think. Like I'm guessing. 98, 97. 90s or? and somewhere in there. And uh, 
I think the internet is sticking around now. So, yeah, I think yeah. it's safe to say. So um, she gave you that that perspective, and that's, I think one big lesson I'm learning is the the the, the impact of relativity. Right, uh, everything's relative. So she kind of took you from that small minded place to like saying anything's possible. It's all relative. Like think bigger, right, mm-hmm. and and be that entrepreneur. Uh, any other key lessons about business you can draw from this experience, or should we move forward? Um. I want to say the only thing that kind of stops you is what you think you, you're capable of. And if you think you're capable of something, you can probably be capable of it. And if somebody tells you, then you should you should definitely listen. Yeah, man. I love it. Great stuff. So what was next? Like, uh, what was your first business venture? Uh, my first business by myself, or I guess that I started, was uh, clothing wholesale. So we sold um, sneakers and jackets out of people's trunks at flea markets, at clothing stores. How old were you? And I want to say I was like 16 or 17, wow. and then um, I like to tell people the story, and everybody laughs, but it was like I was a millionaire by the time I was 18, and I was no longer a millionaire by the time I was 19, <laughs> and uh, it was just kind of a dramatic learning curve like, for me. Do, like legitimately 18-year-old millionaire. Uh, yeah, I mean, I sold a lot of jackets and sneakers, surprisingly, <laughs> yeah, out of a lot of trunks and random places, yeah. Oh, man, any experiences on the come up that you learn, any th- key takeaways from that before we dive into why you lost it all? Um, well, I don't know if we have to talk about that, but um, I'd say, I mean, for me, I was I was young and I was reckless, and I really thought that um, you know I was like I was unstoppable. You right. know, I thought it was it was going to last forever. And uh, honestly, how things kind of changed there were my parents forced me to go to college, and that was a situation where my parents are very traditional Asian people, and like, you have to go to college, you have to get a degree. And I know college is great for some people. Like, if you're a doctor, you should definitely go to college. Yeah. Uh, if you're a dentist, I want you to go to college. <laughs> yeah. um, but let's say for me, I, I kind of always knew what I was going to be. And uh, I always knew who I was. And college was, I don't want to say a waste of time for me, but it wasn't the, what I needed at the time. And I had to sacrifice my business for it, which was oh, uh, really sad. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. All right. Uh, well, I feel your pain. Um, I mean, how let's let's get let's zoom the thirty thousand feet. Uh, Two thousand sixteen is when you opened Pokeberry. Uh, how much time are we looking at? So, like sixteen years, right? Sixteen, seventeen years. You're, you're yeah, doing this entrepreneurial thing. Yeah. So, uh, any key elements, any key experiences in your life that are worth spending some time on, where you really think you transformed and evolved as an entrepreneur, as an entrepreneur, to set you up for the, the success you're, you're currently experiencing. I don't know if I can point to anything specific, but I want to say that pretty much every business I've ever had has been successful. And what I've kind of learned is um, when you understand business and you understand marketing and how to sell things, that can translate to almost any kind of product, almost any kind of industry. And at least what we found is like when we pick niches and we pick things that are special or different, that's when we excel. And... uh, I'd say for a long time it felt like every business I had was practice up until we got to this one. And I'm really happy that we have a chance to kind of do the things that we get to do here and accomplish these kind of things. Like the last company we had, um, or the last company I had, we sold vehicle covers, but you don't get awards for that. You don't get a press for that. Nobody really, (laughs) it's not the most exciting industry, you know, or when we had a, when I had a storage center, uh, there were no best storage center in the city awards and there weren't the same kind of things that you can get from it to fulfill yourself and being in this industry 
you actually get to make people happy and you get rewarded for it. You get recognition, cool. yeah. which is humans like thrive off recognition. We need to be seen. We need to be recognized. We need to be valued. We need to be important. It's something that like maybe some people feel it more than others. But if you look at like, Maslow's hierarchy of needs right above uh, food and, and, and security, it's being loved, being recognized. And like I think that's a lot of reasons why people get into this industry is because of the recognition. It's a good and bad thing because um, for me, I... I am not that kind of person. Both me and my partner, Ken, we are not like the face of a company kind of person. We are not the people that love being on TV. If you watch anything uh, of us on TV, you'll see me kind of like, where do I look at the camera? And then you'll see Ken like look down and never say a word. (laughs) Which is why he's not here today and you're joining me. Well, I mean, I used to uh, invite Ken to come to the podcast too, but then we did one and he didn't even say anything. And I was like, well, this is a podcast. No one can see you. You have to say at least hi, you know, but, uh, I mean, it's it's kind of been cool and interesting, and I mean, I'm really surprised by it. And there, many times, I walk down the street in many cities and even other states, and people are, "Hey, sushi guy!" or uh, they they like yell out my name, and I'm like, "I don't know where I know you from." Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, just to like kind of focus on some of the things you just dropped on us briefly. You said you you understood business and you understood stand selling things, and uh, you you saw the value in being different and unique. So. How? What do you mean by you know? I understood business. Like break down what you mean by like what what it is to understand business. I mean that's a broad yeah that's a broad um, topic. But try to try to pull something out of that okay. and give us some value. I mean I think it's really broad, but I mean in general I think the skills translate. So um, people ask me I guess what makes me a successful restaurateur, and I say it's about five percent knowing how to make good food and putting good food out and 95% being charming and adorable. So I think that translates everywhere. You know, it, it is true. And at the end of the day, business is just about relationships and, and people, right? Absolutely. Uh, and if you're somebody that others want to be around and support because you're a good, charming and an adorable person, it's going to, it's going to pay off. So how do you, how do you get into that mind frame of trying to be charming and adorable? Is it something that's just natural or do you um, try to be that person? Well, that's kind of just like a, a joke I'd tell people, but um, <laughs> I, th- I think like a, uh, another key of what we do that's successful is, I mean, I think we're really good at connecting dots and connecting how to use relationships and how to leverage them to do other things and uh, get to the bigger thing, get to the bigger thing, get to the bigger thing. And uh, we always say just use what you know, use who you know, use your experience from the past. And I think a lot of people are not doing those things. And it's kind of common sense, but uh, for us, it's made all the difference. Yeah, I think we'll get into that um, as we start talking about how you've uh, taken Pokey Brewery to extreme uh, levels so quickly with leveraging the influencers and all that stuff that will come out of the story. Um, what about selling? What did you learn about selling? Uh, I mean, I think selling is just a concept. Um, you know, I think it can be fluid. I don't think it's... Uh, one specific skill or attribute but um i like to go in in places that are niche and i like to try to compete where no one else competes so let's say for poke um surprisingly but not surprisingly almost every poke restaurant in america has the same quality food the same kind of menu the same look and feel the same kind of brand the same kind of marketing and i'm like i should do the opposite of that and Mm. that's kind of what we did so let's say from our food, like the quality is different, our menu is different, the way we market is different, the way our stores look are different, and uh, I don't know if it's 
the world is reinforcing my bad behavior and not following rules, but it seems to have worked out for us so far. Yeah, and there's a book, a great book out there called uh, First Break All the Rules, and I admit that I haven't read it yet, <laughs> but it is in my, my queue. Maybe I'll read it or listen to it on my way, way from Atlanta to New Hampshire. i got plenty of time. Uh, but yeah, you know, stand out, zig when everybody else zags. You, exactly. can't, you can't be number one if you're trying to compete. I mean, you can be, but it's going to be much more difficult to be number one if you're trying to compete with them. A thousand other people doing the same exact thing. So if you create your own vertical and you imagine your own vertical, you instantly become number one. It might flop, it might not, but if it doesn't flop, you mean you're in for a ride, right? Um, what blows my mind about your story is you met your business partner, uh, it's Kevin, right? Ken. Ken, sorry, Ken. Uh, four weeks yeah. before turning the key and opening your business. Mm-hmm. Where, where did you guys meet? Talk us through how this yeah, all sure. came to be. Um, so, I mean, me and Ken... Well, I guess uh, I sold my last company, and uh, my goal was to retire for a few years and not work anymore. But whatever is wrong with me, uh, I moved to Atlanta, and then I'm in like four days, I started getting bored. And um, I joined real estate school. I, I told myself, oh, I could be a real estate broker. It's like passive. I don't have to do it all the time. I don't have to show up anywhere unless I want to. And I met Ken in real estate school, and he had left his job at Whole Foods where he was... Uh, essentially helping to build the sushi kiosks and restaurants up and down the East Coast. And we met there, and we just kind of started casually talking like, oh, we should kind of open a pokey place. Atlanta doesn't have any right now. And um, we were just kind of tossing it around. It was an idea that I was like, this is never going to happen. This is not a real thing. This is uh, just kind of one of those messing around with your friend kind of conversations. But um, I was sitting in an Uber one day, and they're like, oh, you should check out this food court. It would be a perfect spot. And... uh, we went there, and the landlord there, she was like, oh, we have a space open right now. If you want it, you have to open this restaurant in three and a half weeks. And we said, that's impossible. So that's what we did. So uh, you started talking. Take us, I mean, one thing I love about entrepreneurs is they create these win-win situations, right? They find people who have certain skills and assets, and they create situations where you can both win, right? Was that kind of what was going through your mind, or was it just... Yeah, I mean... I only want to make win-win situations, and uh, it doesn't matter who I'm negotiating with or what the situation is. You know, I think a lot of people think you have to be the person that wins, or you have to dramatically try to take advantage of the other person. But we only make win-win deals, and we've done that for in every relationship I think we have uh, in the city, and it makes a big deal. And I think the reputation spreads around; it's a good thing. So, when you guys started talking about you, were you just sharing like interest or like how did this conversation around Pokey? You, you probably were asking him about what work he was into. You found out he was into sushi. The conversation of the, the yeah, Pokey guess, trend came up. Like how did it all? Happen? I guess just like how probably every business in the world starts. Uh, we were just kind of tossing around different ideas and things that we could do, and that one was one. I don't even want to say that that was the most interesting or the one that stuck, but that was the one that we saw the next step, and then we just took it. You so know? you guys were in real estate school. Mm-hmm. Were you just kind of like playing around, like dreaming, or, or did you really have intention to go into business together this soon? I guess we had no idea. <laughs> and uh, I mean, even when we first opened, we thought this, this was going to be a side project. And uh, when we opened the first, like everyone asked, when did you guys know you're going to be successful? And I said, we opened at 1130, um, October 12, 2016. And by 1131, when we looked outside, and there were like a million people like waiting for us. And we're like, are these people here for us? And then... Uh, what turned into a side project essentially became, I want to say, the highest rated sushi in Atlanta, highest rated poke, 
um, most award-winning restaurant in Atlanta history right now. That's so crazy, man. It's kind of crazy. All right, we're going to take, yeah. take a quick break to thank our sponsors, and then we're going to come back to talk about how you pulled it off, what that looked like. Awesome. It's the entrepreneurial myth, and I'm sure you're familiar with it. It's the idea that when you open your own restaurant, life is going to get easy because you get to do exactly what it is that you love, whether that's front of house or back of house. And then reality kicks in, right? You've got to do all this other stuff that comes with owning a business like taxes, HR, payroll, really boring stuff. That's where Gusto comes in. Gusto makes payroll, taxes, HR actually easy for small business. And if you want to add on 401k or health benefits, it's a breeze. Those old school clunky payroll providers just were not built for the modern small business. Not to mention, you, you've got to compete with the big guys. But how do you compete with the big guys when you don't have big guy bucks? Well, with Gusto. That's how. Get back to doing what it is you love and let Gusto handle the rest. And because you are Restaurant Unstoppable listeners, you'll get your first three months free when you run your first payroll. That's Gusto.com slash Unstoppable. Again, Gusto.com slash Unstoppable. So we're back and we're just about to get into how you've actually pulled it off and what that looks like. So bring us to, uh, you, you brought us to how you, you went into this food court, uh, We Sucky Sucky, right? Is the name of the food uh, court? We Suki Suki. Suki yeah. Okay. Wow. I'm such a white dude. Uh, sorry. No <laughs> I had to say that. I was like, what is this? How is this the name of the food court? Anyway, thank you. Maybe I'll edit that no out. Problem. Maybe I'll just keep it in there so no people problem. think I know how ridiculous people I am. People will enjoy it. <laughs> so anyway, uh, We Suki Suki uh, is the name of the food court. Uh, this woman says, you got four weeks, take it or leave it. What happened next? How did you guys start doing things to pull it off? Uh, I guess we tried to imagine every possible scenario that, that we could have. Um, and uh, most of those scenarios never came to life. But, I mean, our goal was really, let's just be the best. You know, like we weren't like, oh, we're going to grow this into this giant thing or have stores all around the country. But we're like, we'll just be the best. And as long as we're the best, we'll be okay. And uh, that was kind of our strategy there. And then uh, we kind of figured out as we went, um, like where our concept was going, what was the right thing for us. And we always had kind of an idea, but it took really trial and error and figuring it out. So the thing is, we try to make mistakes but learn quickly you know we're not trying to make mistakes but we know we're going to make mistakes so we try to learn quickly and we try to adapt quickly and we try to see the things that are working very quickly let's go more granular let's get kind of really bring it down sure. to the ground level because uh, four weeks to develop the concept to figure out ex i mean you had ken who is well versed in uh health code and all these variables uh he's going so you have that variable uh, you had to develop a brand. You had to develop unique selling propositions sure. and all these things in four weeks. Uh, the lo logistics, like, how did you work through that? Were you just like taking it as these challenges came to you, or did you have a plan? Really honestly, get into it. We didn't really have too, too much of a plan. I mean, honestly, when we started, if you had seen the original version of our restaurant, imagine a bar counter that we threw a sushi fridge on top of. Okay. And uh, we're like, as long as we have food and it's good, we'll figure out the rest. So um, I guess paperwork, uh, finding vendors, that kind of thing. That was just trial and error. I remember we tested out all of our first recipes in like Ken's house with his parents and family and dogs and children running around. And uh, it was just experimentation. And for us, we were the first uh, of our kind restaurant in the city, really. So, What made you the first of the kind? The, the fact that you're doing pokey or... Well, there really weren't any pokey or... We're going back to 2016. Places. So this is like just yeah. as just before the pokey yeah, exactly. movement started to happen. So we were technically the first place to do pokey and sushi burritos. So we didn't know where to set the bar. So we were just like, we're just going to do really good at it and do the best job as we can at it. And 
a lot of the things that we did by accident kind of became the core concepts in our business and what makes us different now. Yeah. So let's say we didn't know, really know that most pokey restaurants use supermarket quality kind of fish. So we just started with restaurant quality fish because I guess that's what makes sense. Yeah. And then uh, we didn't know like how much things were supposed to cost or you know how to plan out your business. So we Googled it and we followed this formula called it's kind of like the, the formula of all restaurants. And it's that your rent and bill should be 10 percent of your sales. Prime cost. Labor, yeah, it should be 20, 30 percent. Your food cost should be 20, 30 percent. Like we didn't know better. So we just exactly followed the rules. And uh, that turned out to be a core philosophy in what we do now. Do you remember store. where you go, where you went to learn these rules? Was there a resource specifically that you leveraged? Oh, yeah, of course. There's this podcast called uh, Restaurant Unstoppable. No way, we, really? We learned a lot from there. Oh, yeah. come on. At least I did, yeah. Well, that's so flattering. But any other resources? Um, Honestly, no. I mean, we were so desperate to get help. And talk, just we tried to talk to anybody we could. Like, oh, you're a restaurant owner? Come talk to me and ask questions. And some people in the city are really nice and friendly. And some people are like, I don't have time for this, you know. But uh, this is where the internet was actually super helpful, and there aren't resources. There's not a roadmap. Yeah. There's not a guide, and you just kind of have to figure it out. Yeah. You know, I'm really excited for the future for all the reasons that you're, you're, you're uh, laying out for us because uh, the the information's there, and I think you know. Prior to the internet boom, you needed a lot of money and a lot of access to people who could teach you uh, to do it right. Uh, and we all don't, you know, we all didn't didn't have that money. We didn't. It was so hard to break into the industry. The, the overhead so much. But now with the all the information that's there, we can really get creative. We can really learn. And uh, I think it's going to level the playing field. Where you know the middle class, I think, is going to have a chance. Yeah, to come absolutely. Back, I hope. Uh, so anyway, uh, one other thing I think is worth pulling to the surface here is. Pokey is relatively little overhead. Uh, what you, I mean, what did you need to get in business? Just a couple of like refrigerators, really, like because <laughs> yeah. it's all raw. Uh, I mean, when we first started, we literally bought a tabletop sushi fridge. Uh, I think two fridges. A uh, tiny fryer and like some induction burners, and that's that's where we started. You know, um, we wanted to make things from scratch, so we made all our sauces from scratch. We wanted to like fry things to order, and uh, it was really kind of a again like we didn't know how good or bad we were going to be in the market so we were just we're just gonna be the best and we're just gonna do everything from scratch and we do everything as possibly we can uh as as good as we can and hope for the best i think the other variable that we need to bring to the surface too is uh the 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 value of going to a food court to, to get started um i don't know i've heard different things about food courts uh especially the 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 concepts that are like kind of serve to be like a like incubators where you have people yeah, that come in kind with of a concept. Uh, I've heard a lot of people will struggle with that because they it, it's not a real representation of what owning a restaurant a brick and mortar is like because there's all these other variables you don't have to take into account like lease and and rent and uh, just the. the the, the things that come with owning a, like a, a standalone brick-and-mortar business. Did you experience that at all? I mean, I think it was the perfect situation for us and it's still our, our favorite situation to go into. So anytime we can find a food hall, uh, that's what we try to do. Why? And uh, Well, I mean, there's a lot of things that you get to share, like bathrooms. Like, I don't have to build my own bathroom unless I, you know, if I, in a standalone store, you always have to do that. Or let's say I don't have to worry about putting in... Uh, grease traps or hoods or uh, a lot of the things that come with a standalone location so it's kind of like a, a practice version for you and a less commitment kind of thing and it always ends up being cheaper 
Um, it always ends up being a situation where you can be inside a good, you can be in a good vocation, inside a good vocation, inside a good vocation. And we try to say it's kind of like many layers of inception. As many um, things that make you a destination vocation, we're really happy to do that. And this is where in situations where um, I call this my million like million 20 principle where we'll put in a million percent of work to get a very little reward or like just to make sure that we're good in the situation but let's say for us in the food courts when we can't there have been times where we're looking for a food court um and we can't find one so we're like we're gonna build this giant food court find millions of dollars of investors other vendors and put it all together just to put a tiny pokey bird in there because we love the model so much <laughs> Wait, have you yeah. done that is that something that's actually happened yeah we're doing that right actually right here at the battery at brave stadium where we're recording today oh so. my gosh i did not realize that yeah. we'll wait we'll wait to get into that because yeah. it comes later on yeah. in the story well, we're doing a few of those right now so it's, oh man it's interesting it's fun and scary and it's kind of the next step of one of the things that we want to do yeah and i do agree with you that uh the the food court model is a great way to to break into the industry with no prior experience because the overhead is way lower, less risk. Uh, you get to kind of feed off the the other businesses that are there, and it becomes more communal. And it's just a, it's a great way to get the engine primed. Uh, the only other question I have, the only thing that's really got me curious is. Who was this woman that would that leased you this space with no experience? And what was going on with this relationship? How did you actually get the yes? How did they just throw the space at you? Uh, I mean, actually, we went there and. Um she was just a, I want to say, a really different kind of person. And she was a character herself. And uh, she's kind of a local legend. Um, here Can we say at your name? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, her name is Q, uh, like like the letter. Nice. And, I mean, it turned out that I, uh, Ken actually knew her from something else, like, super randomly. I don't know if that helped at all. But, uh, I mean, now that I know the situation better than when we first signed up there, you know, I think she was really looking for people that could be a real professional person in that in that situation where... You know, there's a lot of people that kind of come in and out, and I think 30 restaurants have come and gone in our food court, and we remain, and we, we stay really strong there. So I can see from her point of view, and now that we're doing landlord, uh, landlord work and like food courts ourselves, you know, it's not easy to find good tenants, and I think she saw something in us that she believed would be successful. So it wasn't a complete cold pitch. It was a little bit of a warm pitch because Ken had developed rapport, and they, they knew each other so she knew his reputation plus i'm sure he probably pointed to you and said look at my business partner with all this business yeah. success uh, and I, I wonder if that kind of maybe well, helped tip the i want to say we, the edge. we had very little conversation about um both our histories oh, really? but it was kind of like you want this taken now okay and i was like okay sure we'll take it this is a bad idea <laughs> awesome. but we'll do it yeah all right so let's let's talk about actually opening you open uh you had a line out the door did you do anything to self-promote before opening to, to, yeah, to um, what did that look like so, I mean, I guess we, we we definitely try to build all the relationships that we can. And, I mean, that's the thing that we continue to do now when we go into a new city. So, you know, a lot of people, I think, when they're opening a restaurant, they think we're just competing in food. And I'm like, no, we're competing in taking market share of the press and the media and building those relationships. Because when that person is, uh, like, let's say that blogger who's the most important blogger in the city is your friend. That's a good thing to have because those are the people that judge competitions. Those are the people that also may write articles about other people, but now they won't because they're my friend. Uh, they may be the people that have, have an opportunity, um, like, oh, be a part of this competition or be a part of this thing or jump into this thing. And building relationships has been kind of the key value of what we, we've been able to do. And... Um, I'm not sure if you guys know or the audience knows, but we go viral all the time, and people are like, that's the thing that happens by accident. I'm like, no, that's the thing that happens based on relationships. So break it down if you can. Like, yeah. I mean, 
that's a very broad way to say it. It sure. happens through um, relationships. But when you are anticipating, your, your viral uh, s- situations are strategized. They're they're anticipated. They're intentional. How do you get intentional about it? What, what, what's that yeah, look sure. like? Um, I mean, let's say I'll start with the first blogger that, that we kind of started talking to. And her name is Alyssa from ATL Bucket List. Um, she's the strongest Instagram in the city and now one of our closest allies and really good friends. But, um, you know, I just imagine she has hundreds and thousands of people uh, texting her, emailing her, sending her messages like, come to my restaurant, come to my, come, come to my restaurant, come try my food. And in that sense, I was like, how do I find something uh, different? And then it ties into our first promotion. Uh, And me and Ken were just handing out like flyers and cards outside of street festival, kind of, uh, kind of like just, just doing it. Uh, And we're trying to think, what's a good way to bring people in? What's a good way to bring people in? And uh, Ken's like, oh, we should do like a punch card kind of thing and introduce that. And I was like, no, that's what everybody else does. So we came up with this idea. If you bring in 10 people, we'll name something on the menu after you. How long were you doing that for? That we do. I mean, that's the thing that we kind of, uh, we release and then we take it away and then we bring it back every once in a while. That's pretty cool. But let's say, you know, that is a promotion that had people bring in people that brought in people. And we had one person that brought in 239 people because she didn't know how many people she brought in. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and uh, when it came to building relationships with bloggers, you know, we find something different to pitch them. So with our friend Alyssa at Bucket List, we figured she just, um, you know, get a million, she gets a million messages. What can we do that's different? So we invite her in and we're like, if you come in, we'll name something after you. And she's like, oh, my God, this is the coolest thing ever. And nice. uh, her secret menu item is one of the ones that is offered uh, all the time, which is awesome. Beautiful. Thank you for breaking that down. And the, I think so. Some of the things we've already identified uh, is that you weren't just pokey. You were like the freshest pokey and very creative. And I think getting into the creative aspect is something that's worth diving into. You have a secret menu. How Absolutely. long have you been doing the secret menu for? Is, um, was that, did that start because of naming things after people? Was That, the that whole actually started um, with Alyssa. And she came up with the idea of uh, the sushi donut, which was our first uh, kind of viral hit and our first kind of real secret menu thing that helped yeah. us define who we are. Real quick, what's your handle? So if anybody's listening to this, oh, yeah. pause um, it and check out your Instagram handle. Yeah, for it's sure. Um, check us out at Pokey Burry. Uh, check us out at Lifting Noodles Ramen. Beautiful. Yeah, and, and do check it out uh, because it, it's you have a pizza uh, yeah, sushi, absolutely. you have um, uh, donuts, you have a, a, a so corn dog sushi. sushi. Corn dogs. Yeah. We have tempura fried bacon. We have all these kind of weird different things and uh, I think that goes along with being different as well. Yeah. Every other pokey restaurant is a convenience-based location. Uh, people go there because it's healthy, it's close to their job, but we're like, no, we're going to bring people from all over the country to come try our food and we're like, how do we do that? We have to do something different and special. So, I mean, the secret menu kind of uses a lot of the same things we have on our regular menu as far as ingredients and inventory but we present in a cool different way and then uh there are times where we'll just hit millions and millions of people with it and it gets people excited and they keep coming in for it which is awesome yeah so we're talking about like relationship marketing right now branding uh unique selling propositions we haven't really gotten to like operations you, I, I know through my research it was just the two of you early on it was kind of just yeah like hectic, hectic. Yeah. so how did you how did you get to the point where you were off the line and you were you know away so you could work on the business take us through that that operation yeah, I mean, that was um i want to say that's probably one of the biggest challenges that we had to face but that's where even if we had to go work in the restaurant for 12, 16 hours a day, when I got home and it was like 12 o'clock at night, I'm like, I have to work on the business. And uh, if I didn't, I would probably still be working in the restaurant right now. And that brings it, us right back to your original mantra, your success quote is do something every day to make yourself better. Yeah. I love it, man. Um, so 
take us through what that actually looked like. How like how did you prioritize the things that you needed to work on first to slowly m- remove yourself from the day to day? I guess I wish I wish I could say that I knew what the roadmap was and the plan the whole time, but it was kind of figuring it out as we go. And uh, I mean, for a long time, we were debating if we could, if we should be a franchise or if we should keep opening uh, our own corporate stores. So what we did was we just moved forward on both uh, just to see which one would work out. And then in many situations, we just try to move forward in every possible scenario and then we see what happens. Yeah. So you're basically doing a little bit of everything to see what's having the most success, like an A and B test almost. Like let's try this and that and see what's doing best and we'll lean into what's doing best. Yeah. So imagine it's A, B, to Z, you know, okay. so we have a million kind of things that we're always working on, and I try to just grab onto the things that are working out the most, and I try to push the things that use our skill set the most or the best. So you're you're kind of had to choose between the corporate role, the, the independent thing, or the um, the the franchise thing, and you're doing all these different like models. Like, what made you lean toward? towards franchise i mean we love the idea of franchising in the sense that we can grow a lot faster than we could if we were by ourselves. and then for people well, i guess everyone on this podcast knows about how restaurants work but i don't i have millions of dollars in leases signed in different places and uh it's scary i can and only imagine you yeah know, we, we have like, you're giving me anxiety and i have yeah. nothing to do with it like but, my mind just like is you know it's shaking it's, on it's the crazy. inside crazy <laughs> um in the sense that like let's say we knew that we didn't have the money to grow as fast as we wanted to, even though we're very profitable. But, you know, to get to 12 restaurants, you need a lot of money to do that. And we know we needed help. And a big thing that we wanted of franchising was to have a little bit less responsibility um, ha- and have a little bit more dedicated people to come help us grow. So imagine when you hire a manager, uh, you know, that person can quit. You may fire them. You know, things just don't work out sometimes. But uh, in franchising, we have a dedicated owner operator that is someone that has skin in the game and they really want to be- they really join us because they really believe in us. And that makes a big difference. So at what point along the this journey from 2016 to present day did you decide that franchising was going to be the route for you? I think it was about a year, year and a half in. So, and uh, we were experimenting with it. And, 2017, uh, 18-ish? I say, like, really, we, started, we, we decided on it in the beginning of 2018. Then okay. we really started it probably a few months into then. Was this before or after opening your second location? Uh, well, the second location is a franchise. Okay. So, um, yeah, I want to say it was, it was kind of after. And, uh, I mean, we tossed the idea around, and we just didn't know if we were going to sell one or a million or none of them. And in the same way that we sold a lot of poke, we, we've been selling a lot of franchises. Okay, that, again, blows my mind because typically uh – Franchises happen after like three, four, five, six locations, mm-hmm. and you you figured out the formula. You got it. You got it like honed in. How did you go from one independent one yeah, location um, to so the second location being a franchise? How did you know it was going to be so honed in at that point? So in the same way that I think uh, Poke is a niche, Poke franchises are a niche, yep. and then we kind of figured out that if we are special and different in our offering there, people will be attracted to it. And, uh, I mean, we tried a bunch of different ways to sell franchises and find the right people. Um, and some of them worked, some of them didn't work. But then we started kind of getting people organically to come and want to buy our brand and become a part of us in a way that we never expected. Um, like people, we've sold, uh, we've sold franchises based on people seeing a sushi pizza picture on Instagram. And like people are like, that's insane. That's never happened in the history of franchising. But, uh, People get really excited about what we do, and they kind of fall in love with the brand of it and the passion and, and the vision of it. And I think people want to be a part of that. You yeah. Know? And I see that. Like, I would love to be a part of something that is also amazing and growing. Yeah. You know? 
So there's a, a thousand things you need to lock into place and, and get situated to, to franchise. So many things needed to be so fixed. How did you pull that off? Um, While you're still kind of creating yeah, your, um, your I mean, identity. To be really honest, I mean, we're, we're figuring it out as we go. And, uh, you know, I think there's no one that really has the answers. And you have to just kind of manage your own expectations well and know that some things are going to go your way. Some things are not always going to go your way. And you just have to do the best you can at any given time. And, uh, I mean, for us, we're, we're the, we consider ourselves to be the anti-franchise of, of franchises. So by that i mean like our legal structure is is franchise but our concept is not like copy and paste it's not the same thing everywhere it's not like uh you know when you go into a chipotle or mcdonald's and it looks and feels the same we want to keep the weirdness and we want to keep the differentiators and the things that make us special so let's say an example is every restaurant we have is going to be uh is going to have an instagram wall for you to take pictures of your food or yourself but in one restaurant, that could be made of wood. and one, it could be metal. The other one, we're doing like a roll-up garage door, which is kind of cool. But, you know, it's conceptually, we want to take like 10, 15 kind of things and, and go uh, take them to every store. But every store is going to be looking and feeling different. It's going to have its own vibe. And, yeah, exactly. So you need, to really have some, about it. you need to have some levels of consistency, though, right? Yeah. So, so for brand recognition, yeah. right? So let's say signage, food, um, menu, a lot of the things will stay the same. But then the, the look and feel is going to be a little bit different. And the kind of and we're going to have kind of unique signature items for every vocation and every store as well. So okay. if you haven't gone to this one, you have to go travel across the country, go, go eat a sushi donut here because it's special and different. You know? so, so this is where I'm going to kind of challenge you a little bit, not because sure. I don't believe you can pull it off but because i have interviewed almost 600 folks now and i see a lot of trends when people try to to grow really fast Mm -hmm. right uh what are you going to do to to grow fast while maintaining that culture the thing that makes you special Um, how do you plan to, to tackle that so i guess one is we're not trying to grow fast it's just kind of blowing up in a way that we can't control i'm trying to cap it right now so let's say uh i always ask kind of like when should we stop selling these? There's, we're, at some point, they're going to be too many. But um, yeah, 12, 12 in the works right yeah. now in the next year. So right? I think we're going to cap at around 20 and then take a little break and then start again and then kind of figure it out as we grow our infrastructure. And I mean, it's been surprisingly not as hard as what you would think. Um, but just because we're like two people, it because you know it's a lot harder. Where uh, people are always like, you know, there's like ten people in my company that do everything you do, and I'm like, no, it's just me. Like, what are you talking about? It's, it's fine. But um, I mean. As long as I, I think our kind of success comes from relationships, I think that's a thing that we can replicate and we can scale and we can build into. So let's say when we're in Tampa, we go the same strategy. Let's make friends with everybody that matters and everybody that we can. And uh, when we go into Detroit, it's the same thing. When we go into Denver, it's, it's the same thing. And when it comes down to people um, and building the relationship as opposed to it's not magic, it's not success, it's not something you throw money at, um, those are you know, you just want to bet on that you can meet the right people. Yeah. yeah. So, um, that you kind of just hinted at the other question I had for you is sure. I've noticed when people scale, they'll scale as concentrated as possible. They'll open like three, four or five locations in a city, but far enough apart that they're not cannibalizing their own business. So like they, they have these like strategies that they implement, but you two locations in one city, maybe three, three actually, right? So three we locations. have, um, our two right now, one is Atlanta, one is Raleigh. And then we have, Four more coming into Atlanta. Okay. And then the rest of them are spread, spread out. out, like Nashville, Denver, Detroit, Houston, Tampa, a few other places. So yeah. is there any strategy you have as far as why you're picking these locations? Uh, are, I mean, yeah. kind, of, kind of take um, me through it. I mean, I think 
for us, the most important thing is when we find a franchisee, it's, it doesn't matter how much money they have. It doesn't matter what their education level is. It doesn't matter what their background is. It's more about finding the right person. So if we find the right person, if they're on the moon, I'll go open a franchise on the moon. You know. So I think we've done being we've been through over 1200 uh people that have wanted to buy a pokey Burry franchise and i think we've chosen like 10 of them or so 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 what gates are you putting these people through what hoops are you putting them through to make sure they're the right kind of person i want to say it's a lot uh it's a lot of instinct you know because there's not exactly a, a defined model of who's the perfect person for us yet you know and we have these interesting kind of subsets of people where Let's say we have a few people that are former veterans, and we're going to see if those people do well. We have a uh, little batch of people that are former business owners, and we're going to see how well they play out. And we want to kind of again, we're you're working, doing the A/B testing with yeah, like demographics um, of people. And I'd say the thing that unites them all, and the one thing that we absolutely need is you have to believe in us. You know, you can't come and be like, "Oh, Poke is hot right now. I just want to open a Poke restaurant and make money." You have to believe in what we do. You who, have to. Who are you? What, what do you special. do? What makes you special? Really get into that to make that clear. Yeah, I mean, I think um, what makes us special is that we just always want to be the best, and you can define that in uh, the way that we do our food, the way that we do our marketing, the way that we run our business, and uh, everyone else kind of tr- aims and their bar is like be average or be a, be the same as everyone else. And I'm like, nope. Uh, if you want to do that, go buy another franchise. That's cool. I don't I have no shortage of people, um, but I want people that really want to be the best. I want people to follow that culture. And uh, you know, this is where at least uh, for Raleigh, you know, they've become an award-winning brand and top new restaurants in their city as well. And uh, you know, I want to say this is where we should expect and we should go into because I've never been in this for the money. And uh, if you want to get into the business for the money, don't don't open restaurants. Uh, but and we make good money, but like. You know, the goal is to be good at what you do. You know, the goal is to be the best. And I think money comes with that. So is that your goal? Just why, why restaurants? What was it that, that pulled you in and said, I want to be the best at this? What is it really that drives you? Oh, uh, I mean, there's, I just have a competitive nature. And I want to say uh, I'm an ambitious person. And I just always want to see how far I can take something. So for me, it doesn't matter what it is, honestly. It could be you give me anything and I'm going to try to be the best at it. Um, but I do like that the rewards in the restaurant industry are, are interesting and different compared to other things I've done in the past. Mm-hmm. So the only other question I had about the locations that you're picking, you kind of alluded to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead of like, you really like that model of, of having your your space in a shared common area or mm-hmm. a, uh, a food hall, right? And you're willing to build a food hall so you can have your one little counter. Yeah. So uh, how many of these food halls are you building right now? Um, so right now we're building two of them and then we're working on possibly numbers three and four right now so it's almost so are you are you invested in these these food halls are you an investor are you are you leading these projects or how we're, does that even look we are leading the projects and some of them we're more invested Jeez. and some of them we are less invested but it's kind of like we started in a food court um the next corporate store is going to be in a food court and we're kind of learning and picking things up and in the same way i'm like anything i can i see other people do it i'm like oh i think we could do it better or we can at least do the same good job and uh we have these two under our belt right now we're working on that are our practice ones in theory and then we have uh the idea of doing more and more of them but it's kind of limiting because they are expensive and yeah. uh, time consuming exactly uh, uh, so is part of your strategy uh, for business not just the 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 two concepts you have the we haven't even gotten to the ramen mm-hmm. concept um 
But are you more of like a real estate person? Is, are you thinking about investing in these assets, these these food halls? Is that part of the mix? It's one of those we just want to see how far we could take it. So for us, we know uh, like it's like we started selling poke for eleven to fifteen dollars, and then we started selling catering for hundreds of thousands of dollars, and then we started selling festivals and events for many thousands of dollars, and then we started selling franchises for twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars. And then soon we're gonna, and then we can sell food courts for millions of dollars. And then we kind of will see where it kind of takes us, you know. And um, I mean, we do have other brands under our record label or restaurant group, uh, and we're looking to grow and see which ones take off. And they all right now just kind of feel the growth for Pokeberry. And this is where I say like I do a million percent work for like twenty percent return. But uh, if we can. If we have the stamina and we have the ability to do it, why not fire every bullet? Why not take every chance? Why not chase everything we can as long as we are still doing the best that we can at it and being the best at it? I will keep doing it. Yeah. So you just mentioned something that uh, was really interesting to me, something that doesn't come up often on the show. We hear a lot of diversifying with catering and different channels of revenue, whether it's retail or whatever, but uh, catering uh, events is something that never really comes off and comes up often so where did you get this idea to focus on events is that something that um i mean i think we because we're in atlanta there's a lot of fun opportunities uh to do catering and we've done catering at like a million corporate headquarters uh like we've done like at&t southern gas bb and like every big every tall building you see in the city we've probably catered in uh, but atlanta is kind of cool and special because it's the number three entertainment capital of america as far as shooting TV, uh, movies, that kind of thing. And um, a big part of it was we want to build it for me. I want to build a window into the worlds that I enjoy. So um, let's say we have a burrito, sushi burrito on our menu called the Demogorgon from the show Stranger Things. Yeah. And uh, I told Ken, is like, what is the Demogorgon? I've never seen Stranger Things. But I'm like, no, we're going to feed this to the cast of Stranger Things one day. And then oh, he laughed. nice. And he's like, that's impossible. And then we've done catering for Stranger Things. So it's super cool. Yeah. Oh, man. It's just like taking it to the next level and really being intentional about everything you're doing to really resonate with key people, not only just anybody, but key people can, that can really take your brand to the next level influencers right mm-hmm. you saw it with uh this this blogger right and, mm-hmm. and naming an item after her and making her making yeah. somebody who's an influencer feel like they have a sense of ownership or belonging yeah. with your and your restaurant now you're doing it with like with uh these uh movie stars who are like oh damn like and they're gonna mm-hmm. blow that shit up too i, I imagine did they um uh, well i mean the I like, I like to think that the intention behind it is always good and always genuine. Yeah, so you. this way it's, it is kind of like creating a win-win situation for people. And, uh, if you give people like a lot of people think you have to take from people, we like to give and mm. we give and it creates value and people just so happen to give back and it's awesome. Yeah. But yeah, we've been fortunate enough to do a lot of tif- different movies, a lot of different TV shows. And, uh, it's been definitely a lot of fun, and those are my favorite jobs because you may run into somebody that you don't realize. I'm like, oh my god, that guy's from Game of Thrones. I'm in his parking spot. He's mad at me now, you know, like something like that. Yeah. That's funny. Uh, so the only other question I had is something that was really interesting to me uh, from what you got going on. So you're scaling uh, this Pokey model. Um, would, you, would you say Pokey is a trend? Um, I don't think so. I mean, um, everyone asks that question, so that's a, that's a good question to ask. But I'd say. I mean, uh, Pokey is the first uh, fast casual sushi model to be successful. And um, in every kind of food, in no matter what kind of cuisine, you need a place for fast food, a fast casual, and sit down restaurant. And uh, Poke is that for sushi right now. And there have been a, a million concepts that try to be fast casual sushi that have failed. So I think it's here to stick around. So what was, what what made those other concepts fail? What's different about what you're doing that's making it not fail? 
I think we are. I think what most people are doing, and what you're going to see, is a lot of pokey restaurants are going to close or are closing, and they're riding that wave. And everyone is taking what they know from another model and pushing it into fast casual. So let's say people are taking supermarket quality food and pushing it into a fast casual setting, but that's not what people want. That's not the nature of fast casual. Fast casual is supposed to be restaurant quality food or good food, but faster. And that's where I think we are different and we are special. Where we're more like. The experience of what you get here is more like eating at the best, most expensive sushi restaurant in the city,、uh, as opposed to going to a supermarket. When you go to another poke restaurant, it's like, oh, I might as well went to the supermarket. And、uh, for us, we we always think that、um, you know we want to be that person that's the the destination, the cold following. You want to wear our T-shirts, you want to wear our hats. We made a sushi wedding cake for somebody recently, which is <laughs> <That's> awesome. awesome. <laughs> But、um, you know, we want to be what fast casual is meant to be, and not. Pretend to be something we're not. Yeah, and I think the only other thing that hasn't come from this conversation that is a unique selling proposition is how much fun you have with it. You guys have a lot of fun. I mean, you're creative and it's out there and it's so unique, and you can tell that you enjoy doing it. I really enjoy the.、Uh I enjoy the business part of it more than I do, like let's say washing dishes or, or making food. <laughs>、um, but I mean, there are times that I miss it. Like I haven't been in the restaurant for a little while, like in the hands-on part of it, and I miss it. I'm like, I still like want to be the best at it, you know, or I still want to challenge myself and to make new things, or、uh, I want to. And、I always just want to be engaged in whatever I'm doing in every way possible. So、yeah. I do miss it.、Um, but if you had asked me when I'm in the store every single day, I'm like, no, I just get me out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so、uh, the only other things I, I think I can even just come to, that come to mind is、sure. any advice for somebody who's looking to go into a food court or a shared space or a, a,、um, a food hall. I mean, I think it's、um, don't don't ever think that opening a restaurant is just about the food. You know, I think you have to have good food, but. Um, it's, you have to be good at marketing. You have to be good at the business side. You have to have competent people that help you. You can't do it by yourself. And it doesn't matter if you're in a food court or a standalone restaurant. But、uh, you know, I think most people don't think of everything that you can possibly think of when you before you start this business. And where I think we were not necessarily prepared or experienced in some ways, not experienced in other ways. You know, I spend、um, a good amount of time or hours, day and night, pacing around, thinking about. What's, what do I do next? What do I do next? What's the right thing? Is this the right way? Is this the wrong way? And、um, I hoverboard around my house for literally hours and、uh, try to like <laughs> figure out what the answers are. You know, that's hilarious. So, anything we have not covered, or anything we have not brought to the surface, or brought to the surface that you can go into that is near and dear to your heart that you, you want to spend some time riffing on before we go to the speed round. Um, I mean, I think I, I always want people to know, you know, nothing is impossible, and and any anyone can do anything. And、uh, an example that's not me that、um, I, I like to reference is、uh, I saw a meme and it was、uh, Michael Phelps and a little Asian kid, and it was、um, I don't know how long ago, probably eight years ago or something, and it was Michael Phelps like telling this little kid, "You can be an Olympic swimmer too." And then I think、uh, in the last Olympics, this little Asian kid just beat Michael Phelps and won a gold medal from him. Oh my God,、and、that's crazy! He would have never done it if Michael Phelps didn't tell him he could do it. And for some reason, people. Have this glass ceiling, or this perception of what they're capable of, or what they're not capable of, or what their limitations are. But really, at least for us, take a step forward every day and try, and you can do it. And、yeah. uh, you know, even outside of here, like every restaurant, I mean, every business we've had has been successful, and every I've more or less accomplished crazy things that other people think is impossible. And I'm like, no, I just. Literally took a step forward, and it's very doable. Yeah. yeah, and I think it goes back to relativity, right?、Uh, you are as successful as、uh, whatever. 
is relative, like whatever your reference points are, right? So if you have extreme reference points and that's what you're, 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 you're stacking yourself up against these extreme reference points, then anything is possible. I love it, man. Uh, so one question I want to start asking all my guests before we go into the speed round is, uh, the mission statement here is to inspire, empower, and transform the industry. So how have you transformed over the past three years? Who are you today? Me as a person or a brand? Um, I guess I've been, I've become a lot more confident in myself in a way that, you know, I think, I think I've had the same skill set and I've had the same kind of like mentality for a long time, but I think I may have found finally the right thing to apply it to. So I think there are a lot of people out there that are entrepreneurs or business people and they have what it takes, but they may not have the right idea or the right concept or they may be working on the thing that's not fully taking advantage of what they can do. And I think finding that is a big deal. And this is where I feel passionate about this business in a way that I I haven't for for many businesses. So I've loved this conversation. We're going to take another quick break to thank our sponsors. and We'll be right back for the speed round. So Revel Systems is a complete POS built to help grow your expanding business. I stand by Revel, and I could tell you why it's so great, but I'd rather get my man Colton Schultz, who's with Grain Junction Subs in the Craft Cave, to tell you why he loves Revel. We have been working with Revel for several years, who has partnered with us to streamline our operations. We have implemented delivery management, employee management, sales reporting, kitchen display screens, and so much more. We also utilize mobile order takers and kitchen display systems that are extremely customizable. Nice. So if there's just one thing that you love the most about Revel Systems, what would it be? It's definitely their vast reporting abilities on the back end. We utilize a lot of the reports such as speed of service, taxes, sales reports, labor reports. It's all there to help you run your business. Beautiful. Guys, and if you're listening to this, Revel works with businesses that are looking to implement cutting-edge technology that helps increase revenue, improve efficiencies, and enhance experience of their employees and their customers. To learn more, head over to revelsystems.com slash unstoppable. So this probably does not come as a surprise to you, but as you can imagine, I look at a lot of restaurant websites because I'm constantly researching my next guest, successful restaurateurs, and you'd be surprised how many of those people have bento box websites. I mean, I almost know instantly when looking at these websites because they're always so stunning and they always check every box, everything that a good restaurant website should have. These websites have them and it's because they're going to bento box to get the work done. And not only will bento box leave a lasting impression with your guests, but bento box websites come with hospitality focused tools that are proven to drive revenue online with bento box. You can easily update menus, promote events, share press, sell gift cards, take catering orders and book private events directly from your website. Bento box puts you in control so you can focus on what matters most your restaurant, bring your restaurant hospitality online with bento box by signing up today at getbento.com slash unstoppable and save up to $1,500 on initial setup for your new restaurant website. We're back. And the first question I have for you is what is your it factor, a habit, a trait, a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success? Be different. Mm, what yeah. is your biggest weakness? Um, I think trying to take on too many things at once possibly or we'll see how are you yeah. dealing with that um honestly i mean it's not stressful to me in the way that i think other people are because to me like let's say when i meet with people and they're like 10 people do your job or 12 people should do your job i'm like well i guess i've been doing it so i don't know i don't know better so it's not too bad for me yeah what is what is uh, one question you ask or thing you look for when you're building your team and let's focus on building your franchise what are you looking for what, what's one element you're looking for when you're looking for a franchisee uh, i need you to believe in us mm, i love yeah. it 
Uh, what is your current challenge today, your biggest challenge today? Um, I want to say trying to find good people and not on the franchise side, but just finding good people to add to your team. You know, I think that's a challenge in industry, any industry, any business. And how are you combating that challenge? Um, we're just kind of trial and erroring right now. We're trying to find people to help us and um, people that believe in us are the best and people that are soldiers and just do what we tell them to are also the best. Share one code of conduct or behavior you teach your team. This is a way to be, a way to act, core value. Um, be the best. You know, that, that that applies to everything, I think. What is one uncommon standard of service you teach your team? This is something that you do to go above and beyond it and exceed guest expectations. Um, well, we have almost perfect reviews on every single platform we're on. And, if, if we, and of course, you're going to get bad reviews sometimes. But I tell people, if you are unhappy for any reason, I will give you a free meal. I'll feed your whole family. I'll feed your friends. I will come to your house and paint your, paint your house pick you up from the airport uh whatever it takes you know we do that all the time so how do you make this known up front like is this yes. a part of your brain so absolutely and do you give your people creative freedom to to meet that expectation if, if something does go wrong like really absolutely. i mean this is the speed round but i, yeah, I kind of want to get into this because we didn't even mention uh number two all-time uh ranking in restaurants in atlanta yeah you're the second ranked yelp restaurant in atlanta Correct. like that's huge and it's because of your reviews it's because of uh, the, the things that people are saying about you. So what do you do to entice those reviews? Uh, I mean, I don't think there's any secret to it, but we try to have good customer service where if you go to any pokey restaurant, no one is going to check up on you in the middle of your meal and see if you need anything. And people are kind of not saying the right mentality, but I think just because you're fast casual doesn't mean you can have the greatest customer service and the same as any fine dining restaurant or any restaurant. So I think that's uh, that's super important. Beautiful. What is one book that is a must read to make us a better person or restaurant operator? Yeah. So one book I've been re- reading and reading over and over again is Level Up Your Life. And it's kind of an awesome book that uh, I want to say kind of gamifies things in a way that makes it understandable for people. So what is the biggest takeaway you've gotten from that book? I think it, in business, you get to set your own rules and make your own game. And uh, I think a lot of people are playing by traditional rules, and I play by my own rules, and it makes a big difference. Uh, what is one thing you feel restaurateurs don't do well enough or often enough? Uh, I think a lot of them just don't really focus on the business side, and everyone goes through the same kind of pattern of building restaurants, and in the same way that we want to be different in what we do, we want to be different there. What is one technology you've adopted within your four walls that has had a huge impact on your bottom line, communication, efficiency, anything drop it on us nothing i guess we're not really technology heavy i mean i guess definitely instagram yelp and google if you count those so basically leveraging uh technology on the marketing and brand side of things yeah absolutely it's made a big difference and i want to say it's probably worth 70 80 percent of our customers hear about us beautiful and this is the last question it's a doozy get ready for it if you got the news you'd be leaving this world tomorrow all the memories of you your restaurants and Everything would be lost with your departure with the exception of three pieces of advice. Three things you know to be true that you could leave behind for the good of the industry and for your legacy. What would those three things be? Uh, I feel like we've kind of touched on those already, but um, always be taking steps forward every single day. I think, um, you know, try to plan for every possible scenario, even though it's impossible. So plan even more scenarios. And uh, third is um, really try to find something that you love doing. Otherwise, it's not going to be something that you can do for a long time. 
Beautiful. I have loved this conversation, Seven. We wrap up every chat by calling somebody out. So who's one independent restaurant operator, somebody you admire that you believe would make a great guest mentor on the show? Um, so it's actually going to be Hector Santiago yeah. from uh, Top Chef and El Super Pan, and he's a really great friend of ours, and he's been kind of like aligned with what we do for a yep. while. And you've already introduced us, and he's going to be sitting in that seat that you're sitting in in yes. about 20 minutes or 30 minutes from Absolutely. now. I cannot wait. So thank you for that introduction. And let the folks at home know, how can we connect with you if we're interested in maybe joining your franchise? If you're looking for some people that um, are you know that that right fit that you were talking about like what's the best way for that person to, to connect with you? yeah i mean um just to find more information about us in general check us out at pokeberry.com if you want to see our food and get to know our vibe follow us on instagram at pokeberry.com check out uh lifting noodles ramen.com or at lifting noodles ramen for for that and uh we're always up to new and interesting things, so follow us on whatever platform, and you can stay up to date. I I, I wanted to make sure I uh, gave a shout out to your franchisee, uh, Muhammad Atme from uh, Detroit. So yeah. he's the one that recommended that uh, we connect and that we be a guest on your show, and I'm really happy that he did. Yeah. And I'm listening. I am listening. So if you guys write me emails, if you tell me of somebody you think needs to be made an example of, I am listening and I appreciate those leads. That's how we get the best people on the show to make an example of. So thank you, Mohammed. I really appreciate you uh, putting this guy on my radar. He, he crushed it. That's for sure. So head over to restaurantunstoppable.com. You'll find a summary of today's discussion over there, a link to any tool services and recommendations, as well as how to connect with Seven. Again, Seven Chan, thank you so much for taking the thank time. Thank you. Yeah, I know. This has been awesome. Yeah. It was my pleasure. There is no questioning. You are unstoppable all right there we go another episode in the archive here at restaurant unstoppable i hope you all found value before i let you go i have to remind you please sign up for the restaurant unstoppable email list that is where you will never miss an episode and you get the behind the scenes of what's going on here where i'm at what's on my mind and what the future of restaurant unstoppable looks like and you can have an influence on that don't forget to connect on social media. That's slash restaurant unstoppable on Facebook and at Eric Cacciatore, E-R-I-C-C-A-C-C-I-A-T-O-R-E on Instagram. But the most important thing you can do to support this mission of inspiring, empowering, and transforming our industry is by sharing this sucker with anybody and everybody you know who's aspiring to be great in the industry. All right. Thank you so much for sticking around this long. Until next time, peace out. Peace out.